you see that title, Emotional Roller Coaster. You ever felt like you've been on an emotional roller coaster? <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for those who raised your hand and uh, the other liars in here. <laughs> Just kidding. Listen, the accomplishments and achievements of man, mankind, are truly amazing. This is a very awesome age in which we live. Great strides have been made in science and architecture, exploration, finance, medicine, space, agriculture, not to mention cyber everything, right? But the more man achieves in the natural, the further he has drifted from the greater truth. The spiritual. And that's the way we're made. Like a seesaw. You cannot have both ends up at the same time. You're either going to magnify and esteem the spiritual realm or the natural. It can't be both simultaneously, although many try. And those are the ones that try to incorporate Jesus into their life. Their plan, you see. (laughs) And it just... Keeps on going shipwrecked, butting the head against the wall until they finally surrender, hopefully, and just submit and just find out how amazing his plan really was all along. I, I never known anyone that did that that didn't say the only regret was they didn't do it sooner. You know? Man, in all his wisdom of carnal things, I'm going to use that word a lot over the weeks and years because it's, 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 it's important when you're teaching Christianity to talk about carnal and spiritual things. And it doesn't always necessarily mean sinful. The, the definition of carnal that we're talking about here is just not spiritual. It's, it's merely human, or temporal, or worldly, Okay. You can become just completely carnal just by, by overloading yourself with the day-to-day things of this life and not taking the time uh, to do what you were created to do, which is spend time with God and in relationship with Him. Okay? So it can be done purposely or just non-intentionally, and it can just happen. But man, with all of this this... This wisdom, and you see I'm, I'm, I'm using that term lightly, this, this worldly wisdom of these carnal things. He's completely oblivious to the greater universe, which exceeds beyond any universe that we're aware of and beyond. But it's the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. Because they don't know God, they don't seek God. Man, to a large extent, has been left to his own devices, his own wisdom and although the world says, I mean, go for it, you know, you, you, you just you, you hang your achievements on the wall. The word, in turn, says we glory in our shame. <laughs> and we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, and that's not wise. The word tells us that 
It's not within man to direct his steps, his own steps. That, that's what Jeremiah is saying. He, he acknowledged to God, Oh Lord, I, I, I see now that it's not within man to direct his own steps. In other words, every time I try to make a go of things, I'm going to foul it up. I need you. You created me. And without the manufacturer's help, I'm not going to get this done properly. <laughs> and that's a good place to be. Because otherwise we're going to go shipwreck in our arrogance, which is what it is when we exclude God from any aspect of our life. And then the spiritual condition of that man is corrupt and sinful, which brings death. And there's lots of forms of death. It's just not just the passing away from this body, but there's lots of forms of death. Anything that's dark and ungodly is death or producing death. So then that person governed by this roller coaster of emotions on a track of death and destruction, fear, depression, lack, sickness, darkness of all forms. We're spiritual beings is the point. And the way to control human behavior isn't found in political schemes, punishment, Entitlements or programs, although all of these things or some of these things may be useful to curtail certain things temporarily, you see. In other words, if somebody doesn't know God, a diet is good or a 12-step program is good, but I can tell you those things are temporary and they... In the end, they lead back to man. But without God, yeah, do something. Better than nothing. <laughs> the only way to change human behavior is by changing hearts. It's a heart condition. And it's only done one at a time. Through Christ. Only Jesus can do it. And the true church... Are his hands and his feet and his mouth in this earth. When he ascended, he gave us the authority as representatives, ambassadors, authorized and empowered to do his will in the earth until he returns. Amen. Last week was Easter. And, uh, you know, a lot of people really put a lot of uh, time and effort into starting with Ash Wednesday, the 40 days leading up to Easter. I've always really been fond of the 40 days following, the 50 days really, because for 40 days after he was re resurrected, he, he hung out. You know, he appeared to hundreds of people, spent time with the apostles <laughs> for 40 days. And then he ascended and he told them, hang out in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until you receive power from on high. These guys have been with him for his whole ministry, three and a half years. They knew more than anybody in this world about Jesus. But he said, don't go try to preach my name until you receive the gift that the Father has promised. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never did anything without it. They weren't supposed to do anything without it, and they didn't. And when they got it on the day of Pentecost, that 50th day in the upper room, then they began to turn the world right side up. 
He gave them a special. He gave them special instances of things, and even in the Old Testament, God gave special powers, special anointings of the Holy Ghost. But it's fully been given on the day of Pentecost. It came. It was poured out. The gift came. Okay. Amen. Like, just like when it came and ascended on him. When he came up, he received the baptism in water and of the Holy Spirit at the same, same time. John baptized him in water. God baptized him with the Holy Ghost, the dove that came and lit on him. It was like a dove. It was, just, it was the Holy Ghost is what they saw. So, I, don't get me started on that or I'll stay on it. <laughs> because everybody here, if you don't have it, you need it. <laughs> uh, but the rest of, of my life, I know that I intend to help people to understand what Jesus died to provide us with and to understand that we have to come to terms with the spiritual realm, the spiritual world, because that's where our power and authority are to, and our, our help, our help. To draw upon. That's the well from which we draw. Uh, during this life. Until we see him again. And then we won't need any of those things. We'll be with him forever. Amen. But in this life. We do need these things. So we need to understand. What he died to provide by his grace. And how we obtain it by faith. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. And. And. Uh, Next week, we might go to chapter 2, but I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a moment today, and I like it so much that I, I don't know if I can leave any part of it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's right after Romans. First Corinthians chapter 1, say amen when you got it. Alright, I'm stalling because I had trouble finding it. Alright, here we go. So, this is Paul writing one of the letters he wrote to the church in Corinth. They were awesome because they were, it's a big church. They were on fire for God. They had no order or discipline. They were like a bunch of little infants, little Christian infants running around, immature. They're all using their spiritual gifts and these new things that, that God had given them. And they were just so out of order that God had, that, that, that Paul had to write them a letter and say, listen now. You got to get those things restrained and in order. They're all good. Don't throw it away. But now church has order, and so y'all aren't going to be talking at once and praying in the spirit and all this stuff. And let me show you about church order. But nevertheless, I want to read from the beginning. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all them in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you can come behind no gift. So you're lacking in no spiritual gifts, you see? So he was bragging on them because of this, and then later on he had to rein it in a little. 
that blame, where was I? Eight. Verse 8. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that you be in agreement. This is very important. And that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now he's asking them, he's begging them, be agreed. And this is of the utmost importance for the church today, especially each church um, plant, each church setting, each different church uh, in, in, in their order, that everyone in leadership especially be agreed. Now, this doesn't mean we all have to like the same color or wear the same clothes, do the haircuts, any of that stuff. And there's even some biblical stuff that we don't necessarily have to agree on. You know, I think I mentioned it before when when's Jesus coming back? Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? We don't have to agree on those things. We just have to agree that he's coming back for us. Amen. So that's good enough. But there are other things that we just have to be agreed to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and His His order and His His uh, leadership, His guidance in His Word, and and so if there is a disagreement, we can we can come together in love and we can find out well what's God say. I don't want to be right if it's against what if God says it's wrong. I don't want to even win the argument. Just tell me, and I'll, I'll if I see it there, I'll repent and I'll and we'll come together and we'll move forward. Amen. So he's telling them, be agreed when it comes to the Lord. Now I beseech you. Okay, he already said that. For it hath been declared to me, my brethren, that that them which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. There's some squabbling. There's some fights going on. Now this I say, that every one of you say, I that saith, I am of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. So these are... These are people that are arguing because I follow this preacher and I follow this preacher. And I, Paul says, wait a minute. Is Christ divided? That's what he said. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He's talking about himself. He's like, don't, don't be a follower of me. <clears throat> uh, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. What, but Christmas and God. Well, maybe I did baptize a couple of you, but that's not the important thing. That's what he's saying. Lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the house. Oh, oh yeah, I remember a couple more. <laughs> For Christ sent me not to baptize. That's not the point. But to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. It's all about the cross. At one point, Paul said, I, I don't claim. I used to be wise and above everybody in my in my." age group. I was coming up faster in religion and everything amongst the Jews. I was a Pharisee. I came from um, the the tribe of Benjamin. I was this and I was that. And he goes, that's all trash now. That's all garbage. He said, now I don't claim to know anything except Christ and him crucified. Now that's humble there. That way, when I, when I work signs and wonders amongst you and heal people and you see all this happening, I ain't claiming any of it. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It has nothing to do with me. 
for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now listen to this. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. This says to those who don't know God, that aren't saved, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Now you hear this sometimes when you see people that don't believe in, in Jesus. They, they, they look at it, they try to figure it out with their brain, and then they see God came and He let them hang Him on a cross. This is what the Muslims say. They, they say Jesus was a good man, a prophet, but they stopped short, but they're killing people now for following. But they stopped short of saying He was the Son of God or that He allowed Himself to be killed on a cross. Because that wouldn't fit into their reasoning, you see. And without the power of the cross, without the cross, we're all still in our sins. We're all still dead spiritually anyway. So nothing else matters really. But the fact that you get it and you see it and you believe it and you don't know how anyone else can't. God did that for you. God chose you. He drew you to him and he gave you the opportunity to believe. He gave you the faith to believe and you saw it and he got you. He saved you. Thanks be to God. For it is written, this is by the Lord God, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In other words, he's not talking about the really wise. He's talking about the the worldly wise, like I was talking about when we opened here a few minutes ago. Those who think they're wise in their own eyes. He goes, I'm going to let them go on thinking it. But to nothing, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. In other words, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show them anything. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? God is really laughing at those who really think themselves really smart and wise and they got it all figured out. He used these. These, these menial things and, and to, to hang his son on a cross and let people spit on him and pull his hair out and beat him like that and mock him? No way. They can't imagine that would happen. It had to happen though. Jesus let it happen for you and for me. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So the Jews need a, you to do a miracle for them to believe. And the Greeks want to have it all figured out because they were so smart. These are the ones that everyone, they, they have all their degrees hung on the wall. And now... This silly Christian thing you believe. Let me go study it. And I'll tell you whether it's real or not. Because I'm smart. You see? And that's what he's saying. He's making God's making fun of all these people who think they're so smart. By terms of worldly smart. That they've outsmarted themselves and missed God forever. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. In other words, most of us, we weren't, we weren't the president of the world. You know, we weren't the 
dean of our college, you know, when we were called, but God saw something special about you. Something very special to call you his own child and save you. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Those who think they're so wise and smart in their own eyes and so strong and powerful in their own strength. God said, I'm going to upset that apple cart something fierce unless they humble themselves and come to me. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring things, not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Here's the point. He's going to do it however he wants to, and he's going to mock those who think they're great, who have who are arrogant towards him, and he's going to be working his will all the way, unless the people humble themselves and come to him. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You all belong to him, and so do I, and we're thankful. Amen. And it's not because we're great. It's not because we did anything to deserve it. It's because we put our faith and trust in the one who is worthy and who did earn it. Amen. Amen. God doesn't feel obliged to prove himself to prideful men. And he'll never do that. He just doesn't. He'll make a mockery of them instead. Those who come to him must come to him on, on his terms. It starts by hearing the word, the word of Christ. Believing what you hear, humbling yourself. Repenting of your old life and then receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord, your master, your king, your God. You say, well, I've done that. Good. Because John 3, 3 says, unless a man be born again, he will never see the kingdom of God. That's what he told Nicodemus when he came to him at night. So we've all done that. So why then? Not really you guys, probably people who are listening. In the future or online. Some Christians are probably struggling in these areas we're going to talk about today. If not here. Amen. But why are so many Christians just like the world? It's, uh, it's like a schizophrenic roller coaster ride of emotions. People that have Christ. Are in debt. Big debt. They, they're trying to please others. They think by obtaining and going into debt to get these things. That they, they think will please others who really don't care anyway. Or to fulfill some emotional joy, satisfaction. Something they think will fulfill them. They go into debt and then they wonder why God won't meet their financial needs. Well, he never really wanted us to be in that kind of debt. You see, there's some debt that's not as bad as others. I understand most of us mortgage a house and stuff like that. But you know what I'm talking about. 
when you got five credit cards and you can't use any of them because they're all maxed out and you're getting letters and calls and all that stuff, but you got a brand new boat and three brand new trucks and how many bathrooms and 50-inch screen TVs do we really need? Then you got half the body of Christ who's really, really sick. And God still loves us if you're in debt or if you're sick. But you're trying to believe God on one hand. But then the doctor says, but Google said this. Did you go to Google before you went to God? Yeah. Well, no wonder you're struggling with your faith. If you're listening to the, the negative news all day long and then you try and conjure up trust in God, it's going to be harder. <clears throat> People are fearful. People are depressed. And they think, here's the, here's the problem, here's the key. They think that they're powerless to control these things. They think they, they blame it on their situations and circumstances. I hope you're listening. As, as long as, as, as they can control their surroundings, their situations, their circumstances, the people, what they hear, what they see, don't, 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 be a, don't let anyone be offensive to them. Keep that away from them. Don't put any pressure on them financially or physically, emotionally. Then they're okay. As long as they can control their surroundings and their circumstances, no problem. Listen, the world can do that. But when things go bad, then they can't be held responsible for how they feel or how they respond. It's only natural. After all, I'm only human. Brothers and sisters, that's not God's best. That is not God's best for your life. And what I'm trying to help us understand is that there's an entire universe, a spiritual world at your disposal. All that God has is ours in Christ Jesus. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have all of the same rights and privileges as the natural born child, Jesus himself, as adopted children of God. <clears throat> so where is the power of God? Where are the promises of God in our lives? Believing God can do anything, but always wondering if he will do it for us. Never connecting with our true identity in Christ. I think lots of tears that Jesus wipes away when we see him in heaven are going to be because of the things that we finally realize we had power and authority to control or to fix in this life and never did. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. First of all, we have to see ourselves after this new creation. And I'm going to tell you, it's undiscernible 
with our natural senses. That's why many people don't walk in it. They don't receive it. They don't draw on it. They really never been taught anything like this. And believe me, you're way ahead of 90% of the churches in the country just by hearing these truths. So we're thankful that we're aware of this. Thank God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Paul said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole, listen to this, spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there, it proves that you are three-part being, just like our God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Spirit, soul, and body. Now, we are aware of our body. All too aware. Many people, that's all they're aware of. Their body. And they spend lots of time focused on that body. Taking care of it. Having a little work done on it. Working it out. Making it feel good. That's all. That's their God, really. That vehicle they're riding around in. And we're aware of our soul. Because we know we have thoughts. The soul is just our mind, our will, our emotion, our personality. That's our soul. But we're aware of that. But most people, that's where they end. They think of themselves as a body that has a, has a personality. Okay? But there's a whole other part of us that identifies with God. And if you've been saved, it is the same mind of Christ is in your born again spirit, which has been renewed and sealed and perfected from now on. One third of your salvation is completely done and your spirit is that part of you that is completely in agreement and like God. Are y'all with me so far? Okay. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? So if you think of yourself as a... As a physical body riding around with the soul, that's it. And that, you know, that's as far as you're going to get. If you think of yourself in carnal terms, and again, remember, that doesn't necessarily mean sinful. It just means natural. If you can't get beyond your natural uh, senses, what you can see, feel, taste, hear, touch, that, that, that's, that's as far as, as you're going to be able to go. That's your ceiling, in other words. But we're going to get past that. I insist. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Because I love you. And God loves you. And He wants you to not live a natural life. But a supernatural one. Because if you've been born again. You really already died to self. And now. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Lives inside of you. And gives life to your mortal body. You are supercharged. And supernatural. But you have you are limited by your own thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Man, it should be nice to live over there with them rich people. 
When you say that, you just excluded yourself from prosperity. You know what I'm saying? Well, this sickness runs in my family. I probably ain't got long either. Okay, if you say so. This is a hard teaching, I understand. There's all sorts of situations and circumstances which are not easy. I get it. Believe me, I've experienced most of them. So how do we change what we thinketh in our heart? <laughs> As a man thinketh, so is he. So how do we learn to thinketh properly? Well, God called us. Paul wrote in Romans 12. Look at the first two scriptures of, of Romans. That's the second book after the four Gospels. Right after Acts. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul said. Here again, he's begging. Oh, wow. See, when, just the way he's learned to talk now. He, he, he's, he's forgotten about himself. All he cares about is getting you saved. And so here he is, 2,000 years ago, begging you today. I beseech you. I beseech you. I'm urging you. I'm begging you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And he said, and he, he's giving you a reason, a basis of he, do this based on everything God's done for you, which we should be very aware of right now, uh, having just come through Easter. Amen. Be based on everything God's done for us. I beg you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? You're reasonable, sir. I'm not asking you anything uh, outlandish. Since God himself came down from heaven and let himself be mistreated in such a way just to take your sins upon his body, your judgment upon his body and die your death for you. Now, I'm going to ask you some things which should be reasonable requests now based on that. And look at verse two. Here we are. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise God. So here's the deal. God created us in His image. Agreed? Now we said... Let us create them in our image, is what God said. And do you think Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit all look alike physically? But He created us in their image. So we're undermining that concept that we're just a body, right? It really has very little to do with this carnal body. The image of God that you were created in is not... You know, that's why we don't look alike. But we're all created in His image. He made us emotional beings. Emotions are wonderful. 
They created to be wonderful. God is an emotional being. And, and they can bring us great joy. They can help us to experience things and to feel things the way that God does. When they are properly maintained or controlled. But he never intended for our emotions to control us. This is the point. I'm trying to empower you here with this knowledge. When we allow our emotions to control us, they will affect everything and everyone in our life. In a negative way. And unfortunately, most people, even Christians, will not take responsibility for their negative emotions. And to make things worse, you send a, a young person off to one of our universities these days. If they had any faith when they got there, they may not leave without it. Because their goal is to make sure they don't. There are good ones. There are some Christian universities and Bible schools and things like that. But for the most part, forget about it. The enemy has taken over education and the media and entertainment. There are Christians fighting to get inroads back into all of these areas of our civilization, and they should be, and we're thankful for that, and we need to help wherever we can. But if you go see a psychologist, which some people love to spend money, that they can lay on some little couch somewhere and tell people about their... Their troubles, and then this person is going to turn around and teach them why they are so justified in their feelings. And they need to not keep these emotions pinned up, but to let it all out. It's not their fault. They're good, and everybody else is wrong. And they have a right to feel the way they do. Political correctness. And it's going to take that person. Further and further from God. <clears throat> it'll, it'll, it'll build maybe their own self-esteem a little bit. But it's going to fortify their judgment of others. You see? <laughs> Perhaps. Depending on the type of teaching and psychology they're receiving. But it's not going to point them to God, is my point. And God has a better way. God has a better way. A better plan. Isaiah 43.18 says, Do not recall or do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Uh-oh. The psychologist that told me I need to, to talk about these things. I need to go confront everybody and I need to get it out. God says, don't, don't worry about those things. Cast, cast it all upon me. I'll take care of it. Just trust me to handle it properly. You forgive. Guard your heart. That doesn't mean build a wall and nobody can get in. It means guard your heart. Keep it free from bitterness. Little Tavana, are we going to have to put you in time out? She's happy today, though. I like that. She's having fun. <laughs> Praise God. He says, don't worry about those things. What do you mean? If I don't, then somebody's going to get the upper hand on me. I feel like I lost. They took something from me. God says, vengeance is mine. You just trust in me. 
And when you take your eyes off of that person who wronged you and put your focus back on me, I'll put my eyes on them. Until you, until you do, you, you keep putting your eyes on them. I mean judging them and being angry with them. I'm going to keep mine focused on you because you're in trouble. You're in trouble with me as long as you're judging them. And I love you. But with the same judgment you judge, you're going to be judged. And, and, and there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about when you give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, running over. Will men give into your life? He's not talking about money. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about bad things. the wrong things. Think about that next time you want to talk bad to your mom or dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I was just kidding guys I know you guys don't do that <laughs> they're like I'm going to talk to you outside in a minute pastor you touch you, you poking a you poking the bear now <laughs> I'm just playing but listen the point is and, and why is God so concerned about that because it's not really within our capacity. He didn't. He knows what he created us to be. And it wasn't to be a judge. It wasn't to be angry and bitter. It was just to worship and know him. And he handles all the rest. He doesn't miss anything. He says so many times in his word. When, don't worry when it looks like your enemies are prospering. And these people that are doing evil are doing good. And you're trying to do right and you're barely making it. Don't worry. It just looks like that for now. But they're going to get what they've sown to. They're going to reap a harvest. And have you ever planted a, a garden or, or something? When you plant a seed, you don't just get one thing back, do you? You get, a, you get fruit or vegetables with lots of seeds in it, you know? So it's multiplied back to them. So... Just don't worry, pray for them when it looks like they're doing well because you know what they got coming if they don't repent. Amen? You just trust God. Ezekiel 36, and I'm almost done here, but this is important today. Moreover, Ezekiel 36, 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I'm trying to... I'll get back to the part where I said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's all about the heart. It's a, the heart of the matter. Amen. And so, moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. This is what happened right there in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Christians. When you believed, when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he did. He said, I gave you a new heart and I put a new spirit within you. I removed the heart of stone from your flesh, and I've given you a heart of flesh. Your heart was hardened to me before. It was like a rock, and now I've, I've made it soft again. And I've given you a new spirit. I've renewed that spirit of iniquity that was in you that was no fault of your own, actually. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve did what they did, their spirit was corrupted. And so all the seed that came forth from that, which is everybody born since then, has been born with corrupted spirit. Satan. And when you receive Jesus, he comes and he kicks that old devil out. 
puts a new spirit in you, renews your spirit and seals your spirit, perfected and holy, incorruptible with the promised Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Hallelujah. I've got a t-shirt that says incorruptible. Because I have an awareness now that I am a spirit. God is a spirit and I'm a spirit. I'm going to get a hold of myself, ahead of myself. John 16.33. John 16.33. This is on the last night of Jesus' life. The night of His betrayal. Before He was crucified. John 16.33. Because some of you are still thinking, man, you go through some of the things I've been through. And you see how well you handle your emotions. I get it. We've all had different experiences in their heart. I'm not saying season. But look here at Jesus. Can we all just look at him for our example instead of each other? That would make us wise instead of unwise, according to the word. So John 16, 33, Jesus speaking at the Last Supper, tells the disciples, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now that sounds very encouraging, but I want you to put yourself in the setting in which those words were spoken. He was about to be crucified on a cross and he knew it. He knew the scripture from Isaiah 53 because it's Old Testament that said he was beaten and abused beyond the likeness of any man. He knew that was coming. And he told them, he was trying to encourage them because he had just told them how he was going to be killed. <clears throat> Are you with me? He just told them how he was going to be killed. And he knew all these terrible things were coming into them. And he turns to them and he says, oh, don't, be, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Be at peace. You're going to have some troubles while you're in the world, but I have overcome the world. Here's somebody who's fixing to go be crucified, and he knew it. I've overcome the world. You think... First, we need an understanding that Jesus, though being God... You know, Mary was not the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. The body, the man that God would bring the Christ through. Okay? Jesus humbled himself when he stepped down from his throne and came here and became exactly like you and me. Nothing else. Even though he had all the power and authority and ownership of everything in the world, he set it all aside so that he could be just like us in order to be a legal kinsman redeemer. In other words, man, natural man, had given away his authority in the garden and a man had to come and get it back by living a perfect life. He didn't have any help except for what? He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. The same thing you have available to you today. And once you receive God... You receive His Spirit. You receive the new birth, the new creation. Here's the other trick. Not that it's a trick. The other truth that is 
necessary to walk in that power and victory. Do just what Jesus did here. He wasn't moved by the things of the world. He didn't live by sight. He saw what was happening around him. The circumstances he was in were terrible. But for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. What joy? You and me. He saw you in his future. Because of that, it was worth it. He was spiritually minded. He was heavenly minded. And because of that, nothing that could happen here in this flicker of a life would hinder him from his purpose. It didn't mean that he didn't struggle in the garden. He prayed so hard. Take this cup from me, Lord. In other words, I don't want to do this. Did you know Jesus did that? I don't, I don't want to do this. I know what's about to happen to me. Father, take this cup away from me. And he sweated drops of blood. This is a medical condition that can happen when they're so overwhelmed and stressed out that your capillaries burst and you can actually sweat blood. And he did that praying to God to take him out of this situation. He didn't want to really go through with it if there was any other way. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. I'm telling you now, I don't want to do this. Take it from me if you can, but if there's no other way, don't listen to me. Do what has to be done. Do your will. He agreed with God to that extent. And we love Him for it today, don't we? John 14, 1, just look back a page. Jesus again telling the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. These young disciples were very carnal at the time. They did not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit with them all the time. That's why they ran and scattered and all that. And they, they completely changed on the day of Pentecost in that upper room when the, when the Holy Spirit came. You see, but at this point, they're very fleshy. They're always fighting and bickering amongst themselves and, and, and being very carnal. And Jesus tells them, don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus wasn't unjust in telling them this. They could have done it. But believe in God. Believe also in me. They're about to go through the most trying time in their lives too. The one they had put all their trust and confidence. Walked away from their businesses, their lives. Followed this man. People thought they were nuts anyway. But they, they were just crazy enough to believe that He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. And He's going to come and He's going to set up His kingdom and restore Israel, from take it back from the Romans. And it didn't happen the way everybody thought. And for Him to be crucified on a cross, even though He had told them nine times, they didn't understand it. <coughs> they thought their whole world had come upside down. And here He's telling them, don't let your heart be troubled. And look down to John 14, 27, my favorite scripture. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's telling him, get a hold of your emotions, get a hold of your thoughts, because I'm in control. Even though he was being led away to be killed in a terrible manner. I'm almost finished, but I have to make this crucial point. 
James was the brother of John uh, of Jesus, half brother. His book is in the back. And he said something, James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. James says this, let no man say when he's tempted, we're still talking about people Um, And their emotions when bad things happen, which we all understand, but saying, taking the the stance that I I can't help how I feel, that's not under my control, look what happened to me. I'm trying to prove that we do have power over those things, okay? So let's look and see what James said, chapter 1, verse 13, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Lust is, in our culture has been turned into a, a, a sexual thing, a nasty thing. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just an, an ungodly desire, uh, an overwhelming desire or want for something that is not godly. Okay? So, when... When every man is tempted because he is drawn away. When he's drawn away in his own lust. Okay, so this, this ungodly desire, this, this thing. It could be a, a thing that you want that you, you shouldn't have. It could be somebody else's uh, wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be a person. It could be a thing. Okay, it could be status. It could be power or money. It could be something like that. But when you want this thing, like Eve wanted the apple because of what she saw it could provide or she believed the devil's lies it could provide. Or like when, when David looked over and saw Bathsheba and thought on it for a while and he, he imagined some things, didn't he? That's what he's saying here. And when lust hath conceiveth, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. So it's like he's comparing sin to um, uh, the, the process of having a child. It's the, 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 there's, a, there's a conception, okay, a thought in this case. A thought comes in and we entertain that thought for a period of time. We see it, our imagination, we see pictures. How many windows do you have in your house? If you've never counted, which most of us haven't, it would take you just a minute to probably tell me. Uh, Ten, no, maybe eleven. You're walking through your house, you see? You're picturing your bedroom. There's one at the kitchen sink. It's pictures. Your imagination is working for you to recall something. And the same thing with sin. You get a thought, and instead of rejecting it, you think on it. Hmm. Man, that should look good in that car. Hmm. I sure would look good driving his car. You know what I mean? Bathsheba. But that's what happened. You think on it. He should have been out fighting in the wars. It was a time for kings to be out at war. He stayed home. He's walking around bored. He sees something he shouldn't be seeing. He thinks about it. And it's conceiving. And, 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 and 
And, it, and before long, it gives birth. It gives birth. It, it has to be, but you have to take that thought, has to be thought about, pictured. So people can say, oh man, I don't know, that just happened. No, it didn't. You thought about it. And you liked what you thought. And then you might have thought the, the, the probability of success. Maybe thought about the consequences some, weighed it out, reasoned it out. Whatever you did, it all happened up here. You understand what I'm saying? This is key to a successful Christian life. If you want to walk in victory. James says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Because that's what sin produces, is death. All forms and all its different forms. Galatians 5. A couple more scriptures then we're done. Just to drive the point home. Galatians chapter 5. Right before Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 and 17. This I say then. Walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, so there's the what to do. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. They're at odds. This capital S spirit, that's God. This Holy Spirit. It's at odds with our flesh who desires to for you to please it. And God says, no, I made you for me. Please me. You see? So the lust, the, 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 they, they are at odds. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. And it goes on to list all the things that are of the flesh, like you need to know what's what's sinful, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderings, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. List a bunch of sins. These are the things that the flesh produces. These are the things the flesh wants you to do, not God. But then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these are the attributes, the characteristics of God, which are in you if you draw upon them. Lord, I need more patience. You have all the patience that Jesus had. You don't need more muscles. You have every muscle on your body that you're ever going to get. You might need to strengthen that muscle. It's the same with the spiritual aspects of God, which are in your spirit. You work, you work your salvation out, work the things that are in out and you practice them. Why does Peter say grow in the grace and knowledge, Wait, grow in love, grow in these things when you already have them full blown and full grown in your spirit? Because and he's saying work them out into you this Natural realm where they can be of use to you. 
draw upon that well of goodness that God has placed in you. And as you practice these things, you'll get stronger in them. Because this is your true identity. And as you walk it out and acknowledge who you really are. See, the world, when you try to live for God, you will be persecuted. That's what the Bible says. It's not if, it's it's when. So, so all your life you just been quiet and kind of yeah, not not a really bad person, but you you know. But now I'm going to live for God. I'm going to talk it up. I'm going to walk it out, and people are going to start persecuting you. <coughs> and when you make a little mistake here and there, they're going to go, "Aha! That's who you really are, you hypocrite, trying to be so churchy and good." Look, that's who you really are. See what you just said, what you just did? That's the devil. Here's the truth. You go try to be bad, fit in with the world and all that, and do all the things you shouldn't do even though now you know the Lord. And then you're the one person that defends that person from the bully or whatever at school. It breaks your heart. No, hey, come on. And the Holy Spirit's going, see... That's who you are. That's who you really are. Why are you being a hypocrite, acting like you're the world? You, you, you're, you're of me. You're for me. It's backwards, you see. God and the faith that we're called to says the just shall live by faith. Isn't that what the... 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And somewhere else it says, the just shall live by faith. Matter of fact, it says that in Romans, 5, uh, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, and Hebrews 10, 38. The just, who is you, justified, just as if you'd never sinned because of Jesus. The just shall live by faith. Three places in the New Testament it says that. And Romans 10, 17 says faith. So if I'm supposed to live by faith, where do I get the faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, or the word of Christ. So as you hear this, today you have grown in faith, because a lot of the seed of God's word has gone in. Now, you can choose to make that exponentially stronger and more powerful in your life by meditating on it. Until it's not the word you heard from Pastor Will, but it becomes revelation knowledge. Yeah, I heard it a few times. Now I don't, now I know it. I am it. I see it. I live it. I, I get it. Just like you, you see Jesus on the cross. It's not foolish to you. You're like, oh. It breaks your heart in a good way. Thank you, Jesus. When the world's going, bah, that didn't happen. You see, this is how all of this can become as you meditate on it and, and ask God, Lord, I heard it. I see that it's real. I believe it. I felt that anointing coming from the pulpit. Make it mine, Lord. Make, help me to know you like that better. It, it, regarding this, I know you over here, and I know you over here. You've talked to me here, but now this part, I, I like that. I want more of you. He loves that. He loves that, and he's going to honor that. John four twenty four says, "God." Jesus said, "God is a spirit." God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Remember, God created us in his image, and then here Jesus is saying, God is spirit. So what are you? Josh, that's right. You're a spirit who has a soul, 
walking around in a body. The world will try to put that backwards and then they leave out the spiritual stuff altogether. They kind of blend it in with the soul. They don't get it. <clears throat> God is a spirit. John 66, John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing or is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you, this is Jesus. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit. And life. You understand that? Walk after the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What? What is the Spirit? Jesus just told you. Jesus was the Word made flesh. This. This right here. Walking after the Spirit is no more than walking in agreement with God and His Word. With the help and leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God contains the will of God for your life. And the will of God for your life is perfect. The will of God for my life is not perfect for you. The will of God for your life is not perfect for me. But the will of God for me and the will of God for you are perfect for us. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 one of my wife's favorite scriptures. And it's important because I'm going to say something else about her. Watch this. She doesn't mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit of, not of fear, not of fear, but of, and, and most of our emotional roller coasters and haywired actions and speech are based on fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-control, you see. This is one of my wife's favorite scriptures. But guess what else? It also happens to be one of the areas she probably struggles the most with. And I'm not saying it's easy. I watch her and I admire. Hey, we're married. That's the hardest relationship in the world. It's designed to kill you, not to make you happy. <laughs> I would not have it any other way. What I'm saying is you learn to become a servant. It's 100-100%, not 50-50. You live your life trying to outgive and outlove and outserve them. And it's hard. But God will help you. But... Why I mentioned my wife, not to embarrass her, because I told you it's one of her favorite scriptures, yet one of the areas she struggles with the most. Why do I admire that? Because she doesn't shy away from that scripture. She doesn't turn the page or read past that part because it doesn't. Huh, it's offensive. I'm not doing well there, so I'm not going to read that part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only talk about the scriptures that I like and talk good about me. No, she doesn't shy away from it. God, and sometimes I hear her saying, God did not give me a spirit of fear. Power, sound mind. Hey, that's good. That's good. I have no idea how hard it is to be a woman. I see. I see. And I admire you guys. <laughs> Everybody has their struggles. But the will of God is in the word of God. And this will is perfect for your life. I do very few things without 
consulting God and His Word about what I should do. And then, when I just don't hear a clear answer, but I think I have a good idea, I just go be with the Lord until I pray in the Spirit, until I get past my carnal flesh, and it's just me and God there. And if that desire is still in there, I know it's Him. And then I, and then I pursue that direction. And if, and if it's wrong, he'll, he'll correct the course. But listen, I went that way because I, was, I thought that's what He wanted me to do. He will respect that. Doesn't mean he's going to let you get to that if it wasn't him, but he's going to, he'll direct the course. He'll help you. But if you, as long as you're sitting still in the dock, you can turn to the wheel all you want. It's not going to change the direction of your ship. Just, just, just get going. Do what you think God said for you to do. He'll adjust your course. <clears throat> Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. In other words, you were born that way. Because of something you couldn't help. It was the spirit of iniquity that you were born with. But now there is no dual nature. God is not schizophrenic. People say, oh, the duality of man and this and that and all this nonsense. Well, that was true because you had a conscience when you were born that knew right and wrong. It knew God. But you also had this spirit of iniquity of Satan. So you had a struggle going on within you. But now you don't. It's just that your flesh, your mind has been programmed wrong by the world. But you don't have any spiritual problem compelling you to do the will of the devil now. It's a choice. Now you have the Spirit of God to help you along His path if you will draw on it and believe it and speak it and live and walk the life of faith that He's called you to and reject the ungodly emotions and fears and words that the devil would try to get you to say to do some creating for him, you see. <clears throat> You've been given the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God is saying, move forward into what I died to give you. Not back to where you have been delivered from. Grow toward God, not toward the world. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. It's a choice. It's a choice. And that's what, we, that's what we can walk away from here today knowing that the devil doesn't have any authority or control over me. I can decide to do the will of God and to seek God for that will. The word of God is the will of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good, of hope, and a future to prosper you, not to harm you. I said that a little backwards, but you get it. Give you hope and a future. He says, and then you'll, you'll come to me and you'll pray and I'll hear you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Closing now, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. This is not, this is, this is not against you. But God says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life 
that you and your offspring may live. God says, I set before you life and death. Don't say, don't set before me death. Just give me the one option, God. Just give me the one option so I don't have a chance. No, he doesn't want robots. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you're putting it, God is not ever going to interfere in our free will. Because He wants you to choose Him for Him. Not out of fear or, or not out of any other reasoning except that you love Him and you're thankful. And because of that, you just want Him and more of Him and to love Him and serve Him and honor Him. And, and He's just going to give you that option. He'll never interfere with our free will, but He's setting before us life and death. And so we know that this world offers only death. And His Word and His will and His Spirit is life. Not going to force us. But eternal life begins when we choose Him. John 17, 3 says, Jesus was praying to the Father. He said, Father, this is eternal life, that they know You, the one true God, and Your Son, Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. He's talking about it. An intimate relationship, knowing him as a friend, as a confidant, as a brother, as a king, as a high priest, as your God and Savior. And putting all your trust in him. That eternal life begins at the moment you decide to put your trust in him. Eternal life is not just living forever. Everybody's going to live forever. Bad news. Just the location is up in the air with some. So it's not about just heaven and hell issues. That's the big mistake that some people make thinking, well, you know, I have my life to live. I know I need to deal with that sometime before I die so that I can have eternal life. In other words, so I can go to heaven. Eternal life is not going to heaven. Christians go to heaven. Everyone lives eternally. Eternal death in hell or eternal life with God. And, and, and eternal life is just in that relationship and it starts now. I mean, we have eternal life now, those of us who know Him. And we can experience more of it by choosing to. And today, He just wants us to know that the enemy is bombarding our minds with unholy thoughts to try to provoke unholy actions on our part and words. And we have all authority in heaven to reject them. Take, Paul says we take every thought kept captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, if it doesn't line up with what my Lord says, I'm just going to reject it on its merit. You can't keep the birds, what's old Brother Hagee used to say, or uh, Hagen. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest on your head. In other words, we're talking about those thoughts. They're going to come, but you just reject it. Don't meditate on it. Don't give it any serious consideration if it's not godly. Just say, uh-uh. Uh, you'll, if you're around me much, you'll hear me do that once in a while throughout the day. Nobody talking to nobody. I'll just go, uh-uh. And what I'm doing, I'm running off the thought. 
And that's just the way I handle it. I'm trying to do that in my head, but sometimes it comes out verbally. I'm just running off the devil. <laughs> and if I've let it go astray and I actually went and I said something I shouldn't have or, or you know, whatever, we do things we wish we hadn't, I just go. And then it takes longer, see, because you've already, you've already let it be, uh, conceive and give birth. Okay, now you need to go. It takes more time. You have to go. Go pray. You have to go be, you know, with the Lord, and you have to undo that, and you have to just get back into agreement with Him, because that the enemy's trying to produce death in you, and so you don't want that to take root. Anyway, we'll go into that more later on, but I think we've covered some good ground today. Amen. Father, thank you. Come on, John. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your love and grace. And we thank you, Lord, that we are powerful beings that, that have you inside of us. And Jesus, we're going to grow in the, the things that your character that, that we have in us, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to learn to draw on the wealth of wisdom and love and all the good things that you are. And we're going to reject all the negative things that try to come at us aware that there is a spiritual realm that created this natural realm and it's more real than what we see and we know that there's warfare going on in that realm and we're going to reject all the things of the enemy and accept and embrace all the things of you God and we love you for teaching us how to do that and letting us know that we have power and authority over our thoughts our emotions our words and everything else and as we begin to agree with you and rely on your promises and Live a life of faith instead of fear. We're going to see lots of good things come to pass as your will begins to take hold and your plan for our life begins to run its course. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to stay healed, empowered, loved, and prospered and to help others to know you in the same way. In Jesus' name, amen.